Did you know that apparently the whole concept of best friends, of having a best friend, is a new construct dating back to like the 1950s? So interesting. Nevertheless, we need, desire, and crave human connection and the kind of intimate relationships that come with having a best friend. So if you're thinking about your friends, if you're thinking about expanding your friends, if you're thinking about deepening your relationship with your friends, and you want to hear Eric and my take on it, lace up your sneakers and let's get going. Hey, Eric. Hey, Joyce. Do you remember some television theme song about best friends? It's like, you know, I never sing, but like, my best friend. People, let me tell you about my best friend. That's he, it. He's What's my it? pride and joy, my cuddly toy, my ups, my downs, something like that. Wow. So much space in your brain. What's the TV show? Wait. Moose is walking through the microphone cord. Yes, I know. You're my best friend. Um, <laughs> that was from The Courtship of Eddie's Father. Oh, I remember that show. Wow, you have so much stuff in your brain. So are we going to talk about wasted brain space today? <laughs> no, we're going to talk about best friends. Ah, okay. That's why you brought that up. Yes, it's been like percolating in my brain all day trying to, like I only had that phrase and I couldn't quite place it. Is that because you know that uh, we're right around Best Friends Day? Best Friends Day. Is that like a Hallmark thing because they're trying to get you to buy more cards? Or is that like a really nice opportunity to acknowledge some of your best friends? I would say it's a Hallmark thing. Oh, that makes me sad. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. I think it's like leave a zucchini on your neighbor's porch day. I think it's That's my favorite holiday. One of those days. One of those days. But it does provide a nice opportunity to reflect on our best friends. Which is just sort of odd because, did you know, like, best friends is a relatively new phenomenon? What do you mean? Well, it, all through history, people haven't had best friends. Like, you don't... Sure they have. That just doesn't mean they've called them best friends. Mm, but even that concept of having that one friend actually is somewhat new. Um, and when you think about it, you know, what, what are you referring to? Like, old-time TV shows or old stories? That's sort of our interpretation of it. Um, but looking at it uh best the concept of of a best friend really started in like the 50s and 60s and has just sort of taken off from there but by that do you mean the phrase or the i suppose the concept but if you go back right you go back to the 1400s and susanna the courtesan from the 1400s wouldn't she have had one person who was closest to her that was her closest confidant and friend? Well, or no? No. According to research that I found, Susanna, was that her name? Yep. Uh, would have had a cadre of close and dear friends and would in all likelihood not have termed or labeled 
one of them her best friend. Then who would be the maid of honor at her wedding? <laughs> her sister. <laughs> Just to keep the family strife low. <laughs> well, that is so interesting to think about. And I wonder if it go. is it a uniquely American thing? An American construct? Did you your research show anything around that? I did not run across that. I think it's. I think it's by now. It's certainly uh, global. Uh, I would imagine because you know, looking back, like it's been I don't know, promulgated or just glorified somewhat in TV. Like everyone from SpongeBob and Patrick, our best friends. Mary and Rhoda. Of course. From Mary Tyler Moore going back uh, in, you know, in history. You should not have had to say Mary and Rhoda from Mary Tyler Moore. That was, it... That's for our three millennial oh, that... listeners <laughs> <laughs> who probably still are Googling Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> uh, Turk and JD from Scrubs as well. And then, of course, the ultimate Jenny, your my best friend. That's my Forrest Gump impersonation. In case anybody couldn't tell. Forrest and Jenny. So you must mean that's a good Forrest Gump impersonation. So good. <laughs> the best. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like this idea, now that we're talking about it, about having a best friend rather than this deep and rich community feels uniquely American and not in a good way. Now I'm like anti-Best Friends Day. Well, even if you poll people now, they've, they've asked people and all that, most Americans will report that they don't have a best friend. They'll have, uh, again, a cohort or a couple of very, very dear friends. Because by definition, identifying a best friend means that you got to sort of rank your friends. Ooh, on the Eric scale. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to create a new scale, the best friend scale? Yeah, I'll create a best friend scale. So on one end is the guy I know from the gas station. <laughs> That's Do you know his name? We're friendly. Sure. Okay, uh, so in order to be even on the friend scale, it has to be somebody with whom you exchange pleasantries or brief conversation on a regular basis and you must know their name. Is that to get them on the friend scale? I'm not even sure you have to know their name because I'm getting pretty bad at remembering <laughs> names these days, but okay. And then on the best friends scale, it goes up to, you know, I really have, have two very, very dear friends. So that, that's, that's where it goes. Well, but how, how do you define the top of the best friend scale? You just said you're creating a scale, so you can't do like the guy at the gas station and my two special friends. Yeah, that's, that's the way it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Is there value in ranking your friends? Oh, yeah, I, I keep a scorecard. No, I'm serious. I mean, that, I mean that is a serious question. Oh, you just went from seven to eight. Sorry, <laughs> or eight to seven. Not, not coming to my party. You're going from. You went from seven to nine. <laughs> Wait, isn't nine good? Oh, nine is bad. Nine is bad. One is best. Well, usually on scales, the top number one. Who's number one? Your number one best friend. Hmm. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I keep a chart. You just... <laughs> Can you... It's one of those things with like little magnets. So I put their names on magnets so I can move them around whenever I need to. So I'm in the midst of planning your 60th birthday party. Uh, it would be super helpful if you shared that chart with me just so. And I'm figuring I'll invite everybody who's ranked from five and above. Does that sound about right? Well, my birthday is, I guess, just about a month away. Things could change. <laughs> subject to change. Um, all right, well, let me if just if anybody's really thinks I'm being serious, I'm not. I don't have a chart. I'm going to. Yes, that's what I was about to say. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say ranking your friends on a scale of 10 to 1 is a really bad plan. <laughs> well, one of the things that I, I think really i don't know if it limits or it makes it hard to have one best friend is that different friends can supply different uh, needs or benefits and i don't know if that you know just different attributes let me try it differently yes you connect with different people in different ways and the idea of satisfying all of your friendship and connection and emotional needs with one person is a fallacy. Yeah, I mean, even even Forrest had Bubba and Bubba and Jenny were very different. Okay. <laughs> so that sort of goes to that point. Okay. All right. So, so what were you saying? You were saying having one best friend what were you saying? I'm just saying it's it's very difficult because again, those people have different attributes, and at different times, you're going to have, uh, I guess, different needs. You're going to have different wants or different things from your friends, and at certain times, a friend may not be available, maybe even for an extended period of time. You know, one of my dearest friends moved across the continent to another country, and it was very difficult to spend time. I mean, we went long periods of time without seeing each other. Uh, and my best friend, she and I haven't lived in the same place. You ready? Mm -hmm. We have not lived in the same town or city since I was 16 years old. How wow. crazy is that? So would you say on the joy scale, do you have one best friend? Do you want to do, are you okay to talk about that? I have one lifelong friend who is my ride or die. She's not the person I speak with every day. She's not the person I walk with every day. Um, but she's the person who knows all of my stories and she's the person who so i here this sort of sums it up um, first of all she's brilliant and funny and awesome and i adore her as a human um, but years ago i had a bad um, biopsy i'm sorry i had a bad mammogram that led to a biopsy and when i got the news i was sitting in the doctor's office and doctors are there any doctors out there listening please don't make people wait 
Like, don't just like give them scary news and then sit them in the waiting room for an hour. It's really unpleasant. <laughs> uh, and out of everybody on the planet, of course, she was the person I reached out to to sort of get me through that time, right? So yeah, um, I have many friends who mean a lot to me. Um, but I would say, you know, when push comes to shove, there's that lifelong friend. And I consider myself incredibly lucky to have her. Well, that goes to something we were talking about before the, the podcast, which you, you've said several times, lifelong. And I think in order for there to be a best friend or even a top of the, the scale, that's something that takes time. Would you, would you agree with that? Yes and no. Okay. I'll give you a I'll give you a yes and a no. I think there those kind of depth of relationships definitely take time. But I remember a story that you will remember. So I have another really dear friend who I haven't seen in years because we don't live near each other. We've both been raising up our kids and busy lives and all the things. Uh, and I still consider her one of one of my best friends, despite the fact that at this point, maybe I speak with her twice a year. And she became a best friend. I'm sort of using air quotes. She became a dear, close friend practically instantly. And you found her for me. <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about. So we in our first business were at a trade show and it was our first trade show in the pet industry. So. For those who don't know our crazy entrepreneurial story, Eric and I actually started our entrepreneurial journey in the pet industry, making organic dog treats, horse treats, and cat treats. And we were at our first trade show, and you, right before the show started, you kind of went to walk the aisles, and you were gone for, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes, and you came back and you said, I found you a friend. <laughs> And I said, awesome. And you told me where the booth was. I don't know if you remember this part of the story. And I went to where this booth was. And in the booth was a very groovy girl wearing uh, like black torn fishnet stockings and kind of super edgy. And I was like, well, she's she's cool. But I'm not sure she's like best, she's best friend material for me. And I came back and I was like, I met this woman um, she seems nice, but like I didn't get that vibe from her. And you're like, no, no, that wasn't her. <laughs> and I went back and I met the fantabulous Sue. And instantly, instantly. And that was, oh my gosh, 25 years ago. Uh, and we helped to, I wouldn't say we introduced her to her husband, but we helped facilitate I would say that. Uh, and it's actually his 70th birthday today. I don't know if you saw that on social media. Oh, I didn't see that. So, yes, I think sometimes you can feel that instant connection with people. All right. Well, I come to it from a little more cautionary tale perspective. Because sometimes I've become really fast friends with, with people. And then it just like sort of flames out. I don't know if that's on me or on them, but it does seem like the people that I have the best relationships with <laughs> have have been over time. I'm thinking one of one of my dear friends, uh, 
who locally who lives near us you know i i hated him at first <laughs> like like i i just sort of gave him side eye for probably at least a year <laughs> and over time like we've just gotten to know each other it goes a little bit to the abraham lincoln quote which is i don't like that man i should get to know him better so you never know once you actually get to know someone. But I, I think in general, it, it can often take time to develop that sort of best friend relationship. There's a lot that goes into it, for sure. It takes time and then it takes work. It takes being willing to be vulnerable. And so you're talking about the Abraham Lincoln quote, and there's a Gosh, I might get this wrong, but there's a Benjamin Franklin story. Yep, it is a Benjamin Franklin story. And the gist of it is, or the, the lesson from this is that you have to let people help you in order to keep moving that relationship and that friendship along. So there are moments in our life, especially Again, I think it's a uniquely American thing where we're like, nope, I got this. I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody. I got I'm, this. I'm a cowboy. I'm a cowboy. I am self-sufficient. I don't need any help. But the reality is you have to let people in. You have to let people help, help you. And the research shows that when people help you, let me be really clear about this. When people help you, they like you better. Now that doesn't mean leaning on people all the time and asking for endless favors. It has to be reciprocal. It has to be, it has to feel not like a using kind of relationship. But the truth is people like to help other people, which is a beautiful thing about human nature. Yeah, and it sort of goes to some of the, the characteristics I was thinking about, you know, what what makes someone a best friend and and Again, this goes a little bit to the time, but if you're going to be vulnerable, if you're going to be, you know, have some, you're going to need some help, this person's going to have to be dependable. They're going to have to be trustworthy. They're going to have to have integrity. I think to some extent, they're going to at least not be super high maintenance. I think it's really hard to have a high maintenance best friend. You're going to be, you're going to be giving a lot. So all, all of those things, and I think it can take some time to uncover whether that person truly is that person and whether you are sort of capable of being that person for, that, that, right. for that person. For that person. You know, some people, uh, maybe you're just, you're not feeling it and you're not going to be there as maybe as much as they would like or not for them to consider you a best friend so so the element of recipro reciprocity of friendship is that kind of what you're alluding to yeah uh, i mean you have to be a good friend to have a good friend and we've had this conversation with our children over the years uh, sometimes they've been uh, you know, less engaged with their peers than, than they would like. And we've just sort of pointed out, like, you gotta, you gotta get out there. 
And sometimes we would help them, <laughs> such as the rafting trip that I set up for our son and some other dads. And we would go rafting every year and create those connections and friendships. And they really built from there. Um, and sometimes we just encourage them to put themselves out there. So this brings to mind a survey we did years ago now, probably, you know, COVID has still sort of screwed up my perception of time. It's like, it was before COVID, so therefore it was at least three years ago, and I think it was two years before that, so I'm gonna say it was five or six years ago. Okay. We did a survey of women, 2,300 women, and the topic was connection, loneliness, and friendship. And what we heard from people is that many people are lonely, and I think, and I didn't pull the statistics before we started recording, but I think it was 12% said, I feel like I don't have a single real friend in the world, which is a shocking number. Mm. And my question, I suppose, is for the people who really feel that they don't have, forget a best friend, a true friend, Right, forgetting the Eric scale and asking the question of who's number one. Developing true friends, which we have had. We are blessed and fortunate to have those people in our lives. What would you say to the people who feel they don't have a single real friend in the world? Well, starting without knowing all the exact situations, you know, if someone's listening and sort of feels that. I would go to a corollary of something that I say all the time that I've sort of coined in our relationship. And that main thing is it takes work to have a good time. So in, in order to have fun, you need to plan, you need to work, you need to do stuff. So in general, it takes work to have a good time. I would say the same thing goes with dear friends, best friends, good friends, even casual friends it takes work like you can't just expect people to find you and decide that you are a dear friend so it means picking up the phone and even starting from scratch it means putting yourself out there it means going into situations where you're going to meet people preferably with similar interests i mean that's a easy way to start and putting yourself out there, making the effort going first, which is what we often say, the, the phrase, if you meet someone new or saying hi to them on the street, and or even if you just sort of see this person saying hi to them, being the first one to say hi when you're not quite sure how they're going to respond, or being the first one to say, hey, do you want to go for a walk on Tuesday? Be first. And that's work, and it's a little scary, but that's sort of what you need to do. I agree completely. I would roll it back, and before we get even to making the effort and doing the work, which absolutely needs to get done, one of the first things I think people would benefit from reminding themselves is, and again, I don't remember the exact number, but I'm telling you it was at least 10%, and I think it was higher if you feel like you don't have a single close friend in the world, you are not alone. 
there are millions of other people walking around feeling the same way because one of the things that the research shows happens to people when they feel that way and they feel lonely, they think that they're the only ones, they think that they are an island onto themselves, and, and here's the really damaging part, they think that there must be something wrong with them. There must be something wrong with me because I don't have those kinds of friendships. I don't have a best friend. So what's wrong with me? And there's a little bit of self-fulfilling prophecy or circular reasoning in this because if you feel that way, you withdraw. And if you withdraw, then you are less connected and you have less opportunity to start building those relationships that can deepen over time. Yeah, and we've spoken about this because this is a topic that we talk about a lot. Loneliness is important in curing loneliness or helping lessen, ameliorate. SAT word, my SAT word for the day. Yeah. We should uh, do an SAT word per podcast. <laughs> so helping ameliorate loneliness is when you do go first, when you do say hello to that person who, you know, they're not, you're not sure how well you know them or you just sort of met them or you ask that person out for coffee, or you just strike up a conversation, not only are you gonna feel better, that person is gonna feel better. So, you know, you, you're helping others mm. as you're helping yourself. You're making the world a better place, frankly. So don't, don't be shy, don't hold back. Uh, and it can be hard for a lot of people, but it's also the first step, and the more you do it, the easier it is. And that's that's really interesting. I haven't thought about it in exactly that way, but we are we are wired. It's another beautiful thing about human beings. We are actually wired to be more willing to do things for other people than we are for ourselves. So if it's helpful to put yourself in the mindset of saying, if I make this overture if I say hello, if I go first, if I send the card, if I make the phone call, whatever it is, I'm doing it for them. I'm doing it because maybe there's someone out there who needs me. It takes so much of the onus off of the actor rather than saying, I'm doing this because I want human connection. I want to make a friend. And you're really in the mindset of I'm doing this to support, help, encourage, brighten the day of someone else. Yeah, and we had the pleasure of spending the weekend with two remarkable young men who we've become friends with, uh, Sean of We Walk With Sean and Drew, his best friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we were out and about a lot. We went out for a cocktail one evening and just walking around. We went shopping and in Every store we stepped into, they got the name of the person in the store. They were chit-chatting. They remembered it. We went out for a cocktail. We were talking with Liz. Liz and her parents. Liz and her parents. And these two were amazing at this. And we were walking down the street and Sean just blurted out to a woman walking the other direction, walking past us. He just goes, I love your sweater. <laughs> and like made her day. She smiled. She's like, well, thank you. And wow, like we really can, can learn from them 
and you know making friends connecting with people they told the story of how they met the bartender at one bar that they went to and then they went to the other bar and they were chatting with that bartender and it turns out it was her identical or not identical her twin sister twin sister and like they just found all this stuff because they were talking to people and connecting so you have to have friends to have a best friend so that's sort of part of it and you have to put yourself out there. You have to put yourself out there at the beginning, in the middle, and when they reach the top of the scale, you're still putting yourself out there. And it gets easier, but it's always something that you have to do. You have to work at it. And that's, that's I think, what I want to be sure we talk about a little bit. And I think we've alluded to it, but I want to be sure that perhaps we end on this topic, which is twofold. The first is making those initial connections as you said, uh, is mission critical to ultimately having a true dear friend or more or your multiple best friends. Nurturing those relationships, it is a little bit like dating. You've got to kiss a lot of frogs, not to use the tired cliche. And then you have to keep moving it forward. I think that there is an illusion or a perspective that friendship comes naturally and if it takes work then maybe it's not meant to be and I think we've learned a lot of that about relationships I think there's been a lot of conversation over the last few decades about the fact that good relationships good marriages take work long-term relationships romantic relationships take work and the reality is friendships take work that's it that's that's what that's what i got to say and i'm happy to leave it there everything just about anything worth having takes work and friendship is is in that bucket i don't know that everything worthwhile takes work i want to actually explore that in a future conversation because i don't think I think we're that that buys into this sort of American if it's not really hard it doesn't count and I I don't think that's true so I want to be sure that we right, don't, we'll we, talk about that we got a podcast day. there because that, that wasn't really where I was going but I will agree with you that friendship takes work and takes, it's worth it takes effort <laughs>